G'day guys and girls and welcome to this week's edition of the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian and as always on the other side of the desk is my mate Matt. Matt, how you doing today buddy? Much better than last week. <laughs> um, we'll start off today by just saying uh, apologies to everyone. We were planning on doing a podcast last week, unfortunately... Um, I went down with the sickness for the week. Oh, you had some serious man flu last week, man. You were yes. suffering. Um, and that in turn has now kicked off my asthma. So if at any point I sound like I'm coughing a lung up today, um, <laughs> apologies to everyone. Uh, I'm not contagious. Christian's going to survive. Uh, and we move forward. I better survive. God damn. <laughs> no, he's been, he's been all checked up. He's good to go. And we're over here in WA as well where things are looking pretty... Uh, pretty sunny and uh, hoping that everything gets a little bit better over for our Eastern States friends as well, of course. Absolutely. Um, so what we're going to do today is basically do what we were meant to do last week. <laughs> exactly. So you may have seen on Twitter, we put out a little poll asking for some special topics that we could focus on during the Festival of Footy. The festival might be over, but we are keen to dive into one of those topics. I was really looking forward to the winner of this uh, this little poll that we did. So uh, quite often you'll see on a lot of other podcasts, and of course it was started by our, I mean, our hero, Footy Rhino himself. He, he used to do the uh, Top 22 Under 22 podcast Every year it was the best listening you'd have for the fantasy season. And now we want to do something a little bit similar for all of our Keeper League coach listeners out there who want to know who are the players that we should be stashing at the end of the year or at the very (coughs) least for some guys that we rate on the top end. What order should I be ranking some of these young players in? So we're going to rank our top 21 under 21 players. That's that sort of age bracket, that very early age bracket where you still see a little bit of variation uh, depending on what role they could get in the future, um, what abilities they're showing now, and mm-hmm. what they showed at underage level. Because when they hit 22, I tend to find that they've cemented a bit more of their position and they've really matured into their role. You'd hope that by the time they hit 22, they have cemented a role and that their body is able to withstand the AFL rigors and that they're meeting the expectations that they set based on their under-18s um, <coughs> cough um, LDU. <laughs> <laughs> so you tried to fake cough just then. I should have done an actual suffered. cough. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. You, you should have seen that in the studio. His, his face went bright red as he fake coughed. Oh, it was brilliant. And my body went, oh, you want a cough? We can do a cough. <laughs> so basically, we are going to be diving into that top 21 under 21 very quickly. But of course, we've had a full round of fantasy football just gone. We're actually, as we record, we're at halftime of the Richmond Gold Coast game. So I want to do a quick 10-minute wrap-up of the round that's just been with some pointers heading into next week's matchup. So Alrighty. we'll dive in nice and quick. We'll get into the Sydney versus GWS game. A couple of points here. The first one for me was Haynes being tagged by Will Hayward. That Mm. was a great success for Sydney. And it's something to keep an eye on for fantasy coaches. He was kept to 25 points. Mm. I am well aware of this matchup (laughs) because in one of my leagues, I own Haynes and decided to stream Hayward as well. Oh, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. So that's best left untouched. But... Just keep an eye on that because anything that proves a success in the previous games, coaches generally try to replicate that. So Yes, and GWS were insipid. In yes, the, the only saving grace for Haynes this week maybe is the fact that they're playing on West Coast and they really don't need a defensive forward role. Their forward line works well enough, so you may find he does get off the chain a little bit. The only other one I th- want to throw up from this game was uh, Thurlow. 
with his 82. So he's basically got people 84, 84, 82 in three weeks, given that he was awarded his average from one game. Now, look, I I just want to make sure that people are aware that, yeah, he's playing good football in a structure where they are just chipping it around constantly in the back line. I just don't think this will continue. (coughs) Considering how close we are to wanting full teams... If he's the lo- if you've completely uh, sort of premiumed up your side, so if Thurlow is the last remaining upgrade you have before getting a a, a full squad of premiums, you have to upgrade him now before you look to upgrade. Say, for example, an underperforming premium like. Uh, I don't know, maybe you want to get rid of uh, Steve Cornelio, who's performing average, or maybe you want to get rid of a like a Bailey Smith last week, for example, before mm. he went big in this round's matchup. Yeah, Look uh, to get rid of Thurlow first. I agree. I wouldn't be going out of my way to grab him now. Um, particularly, he's at an awkward price. So yeah. if yeah, if it was a bit cheaper, it might be worth a look at. But yeah. um, Moving on <clears> to the <throat> next game, which was the Cats versus Port. Uh, Tommy Hawkins... Bloody smashed it because Ken Hinckley does not know how to man a backfield by the looks of things. Um, I, that was uh, very, very odd to just keep Clurie on in the entire game. Hawkins is smashing it lately. Oh, he's, he's in he's, awesome He's in form. beast mode. If he's brilliant. available in any um, draft leagues, uh, definitely worth grabbing him off the waiver wire. Well, I don't think you're going to be able to. I think enough coaches are smart enough to realize that Geelong is playing Adelaide this week. Just go out and grab as many Geelong players as you can because, yeah. Jesus Christ, Adelaide are the worst football team that I have seen mm. since watching football when I was a teenager. They are that bad at the moment. Yeah, they, they give Gold Coast from a couple of years ago a run for their oh money, I reckon. God. At least Gold Coast, there was that little <coughs> that upside to watching them. There were so many young yeah. guns in the side and you knew that something could happen at any moment. Adelaide, is, there's just nothing, to be honest. No. Um, so jump on all the cats you possibly can add this week. And Houston continues his up and down season. He goes from you know forties and fifties to yeah, high seventies, and even this, bursting through the eighties. Yeah, at this point, he's just set to forget in my salary cap side. Mm-hmm. I just don't even bother looking at his scores anymore. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly what I'm having to do. All right. So the North versus Brisbane game. It was a bit of a midfield dominance by North, to be honest. Even though Brisbane won the game. Yeah, this was actually quite a enjoyable game to watch. I mean, the, Jed, the bits of it that I saw. Really good for draft coaches. So Jed Anderson was fantastic <clears throat> for salary. League coaches out there. Jai Simkin was absolutely amazing with 104. That really helped out a lot of coaches who were possibly thinking about trading him out this week because he has Mm. been a little bit underperforming. And then even Higgins out on a wing with a 90. Goldstein with an 88 was fantastic. Look, really good game. And if they keep that sort of style of play up, Kangaroos could become fantasy friendly because they really played well. When they played well to start the season off... um I amazingly to my to myself said that they were actually enjoyable to watch. Yeah. So and then they d- remembered that they were north and were terrible for the next few months. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. If they maintain that sort of game, then yeah, they were actually really good to watch on yeah. the weekend. Uh, and the other point from this game is Dane Zorko at 728k <clears throat> is still a fantastic option to go out and grab. He has gone 107, 115, 94, 88, and 88 in his last. Five games. That's a fantastic run, and he's mm. still only 728. He's playing St Kilda this week, who probably... If they give go- up points. Uh, and also, if they're going to look to man up someone on steel, play man-to-man, it's going to be Lockie Neal. So mm. jump on Zorko if you've got the cash. Um, all right, so next game of the round was Demons versus Collingwood. Brayshaw 
I, I know it hurts you. So um, we've tweeted about this before, but you traded out Angus Brayshaw from your Keeper League side after owning him for about three years. It was about two and a half, two, and a two, half two years. years that I had him. Um, and I traded him back to the person that I got him from. You traded him two weeks Literally ago. Literally that same <laughs> night he turned up. Oh my god. I mean, you had dealt with so much shit for about a year, a year and a half? He's been crap for a year and a half, and I've been holding and waiting for him to turn the corner and just got jack of it. The very week that he went bang, and he's gone bang again, he's playing a, a role which includes he's, him getting set of bounces. back in the role that <laughs> I wanted him to have the day after I traded him. Uh, do you notice that... Uh, it's he so stopped, frustrating. He stopped playing that role. When he stopped playing that role, the demons became terrible. I'm not saying that one is the pure reason for the demons being terrible last year, but, but, but they did move him out of that role and they became... There's awful. a reason he went, I think, pick number four mm-hmm. in the draft. He's a good player. A very good He's player. He's a good footballer. He's a good midfielder. He's not a good winger. Yeah, so my point is, so Angus Brayshaw, let's just have a quick look here. He is priced um, at the moment before the uh, price changes come in. He was priced at $505,000 in AFL Fantasy. He'll probably be around about mid-500s now, probably go up another forty to forty-five k. Really good get if you're desperate for uh, that last midfield upgrade. Could be a great stepping stone. Exactly. Assuming Um, that he continues to play this role. Realistically, he could be more than a stepping stone if he continues to play this role. I I almost guarantee he will, because this is... This is like reverse karma. This is what happened to me. Two, this is what happened two years ago when I traded and got him. The week I got him, he went on that awesome hundred average burst for the rest of the season. The same thing's happening now in reverse to the guy I got it from two years ago. So I guarantee he's going to average of eighty for the rest of the year. That's beautiful. Um, okay, so uh, the the other quick one from this game is uh, Maxi Gorn. So. Mm. He's battling uh, shoulder issues, and he's also battling knee issues with a PCL strain. It's not something that would require surgery, but Proust did well enough in this game, and the Demons got the win. So the Demons might think it is a good idea to rest him for one more week if he's not Mm. quite cherry ripe. I did see something saying he was likely to be fit. Um, they played the doggies on Saturday. So playing up against Tim uh, Tim English, assuming that he's fit. To yeah, play. that's true with the ankle injury. So I could, reckon that they'll probably give him a week. Yeah, they probably will mm. give Tim English a week, which means. But then again, if no, I'm saying they give Gorn a, a yeah, week. I, I reckon Tim English will be given a week. I would assume with the mm. ankle, and obviously Melbourne would go right if they're playing Jordan Sweet or um, uh, what's the other guy that plays down there? Um, Dunkley. Uh, Dun- of course, Dunkley. <laughs> Supreme Ruckman Dunkley. <laughs> what was it I saw? He attended about 30 he be- um, bounces almost and as many. five as a midfielder or something almost like that. Almost as many Jesus. as English. Um, so, uh, if he, if you know, Bruce is rucking against Dunkley and maybe Jordan Sweet, yeah. I think they're going to back that in and give Gorn one more week to rest. So be very um, wary yeah. of that. Um, okay, next game of the round was Carlton versus Frio. This is another one that would be hurting you quite a lot as a Frio fan, Matt. Um, I, I'm actually glad I missed this game because it would have broken my soul. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I, tur- I was watching the game. I turned it off <coughs> just before the free kick was awarded um, because they had kicked it out and there was about five seconds left of the game. I didn't think anything was going to happen. <laughs> and then the, the, WhatsApp, the WhatsApp chat just <laughs> lit up, which was hilarious. Um, so, uh, Kurnow. Just a quick pointer on Kurnow. 
we we brush over him quite a lot, but he has been amazing this season. For draft owners, hmm. he has been spectacular. If you own him in a keeper league, this is very close to a sell high moment for him heading Ooh, into. Like if you are not contesting, for yeah, finals if you're this contending, year, you're hanging on to him because yes. he's that perfect back end of your midfield that just set and forget prop it up yeah. every week but if you're not contending though I agree perfect yeah. sell high sell high moments um, okay so uh, next one uh, Luke Ryan has been outstanding as well for the past mm. few weeks I think that teams surely by <clears throat> now are going to tag onto the fact that he is the key to their defensive structure and the f- and they are going to lock a defensive forward similar to what Hayward did now Fremantle are coming up against uh, Sydney this week so, that could be an issue this week for Luke Ryan owners. Just keep an eye on it. Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. It, it could be happening. Well, realistically, who else do Fremantle have down there as a, you know, intercepting, will uh, like a Haynes, Nick Haynes-style player? It's Luke Ryan or Bust in the defense. Um, and he's just that good that he can hold the entire defense together. No further comment. <laughs> um, okay. So, Western Bulldogs versus Adelaide. Oh, I'm, I can't take this game seriously. This is rubbish. <laughs> no. Adelaide weren't even a team. Like, to call them witches' hats would be an insult to witches' hats because they provide a valuable, you know, use to society to stop traffic accidents and all sorts of things. It's, look... But for me, this one's only about the rookies from an Adelaide perspective. Yeah. Uh, McPherson, unfortunately, went down with, I think, a minor hamstring strain. Mm-hmm. Um, so his time as a cash cow has probably come to a close. Shoal... Um, fell off the planet after a couple of good weeks and Schoenberg is or Schoenberg I think it is is slowly building some confidence there's some hope there for some keeper league coaches yeah but beyond that not really a lot nope there's absolutely nothing the Laird uh, experiment in the midfield didn't work this week no it didn't but I think he'll still be playing midfield I saw a lot I saw a lot of people (laughs) saying he might go straight back to defence but realistically they don't have any other options yeah they'll, Um, they'll keep him there so uh, and just a word going back to the uh, Western Bulldogs players look you can't take this game seriously. It was a basket case, and look, the Bont isn't getting 149 <coughs> every week. No. He had a good week last week against Brisbane, who do not tag in any way, shape, or form. And he's had an amazing, stellar week this week against a non-existent team. He's going to come crashing back down to earth. Now, obviously, we all have to bow down and pray a little bit uh, before we move on to the fantasy god that is Selby um, of Moreira's <laughs> Magic for bringing in... Laird, Fife, and now the Bont before his amazing scores, or before all of their amazing scores. That's Nostradamus. It's oh, amazing. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the guy is just an absolute out-and-out champion, but I'm not putting my faith in the Bont going forward for the rest of the season. I think he might have another couple of good games. I think games. he'll have another good game this week because he's playing Melbourne. He's Melbourne, playing Melbourne. Melbourne don't, don't play um, hard up against in the midfield. Yep. But beyond that... He's um, playing against the Cats who are... <laughs> While they don't tag directly, they're just a big-bodied team and he'll struggle yeah. to score against them. And then them. he's got the bye and then we're into finals. Yeah, and he's... Yeah, so, it, look, it's just not someone I would be chasing. I'd prefer Brayshaw over the Bont this week, even though the Bont is cheap. Um, okay, the next game was Saints versus Essendon. Um, look, quick one on Caulfield. He's maturing very well for draft players and he's had a 91 score this week. Really looking solid. Keeper league coaches would just who didn't drop him like I did for five <laughs> sex, um, would just be so happy with this. Yeah, absolutely. I 
yeah, can't speak highly enough of him. I love watching him play. Um, and uh, Bytel, I'm a little bit worried about him possibly missing out. Yeah, week. I was worried he would miss the week, Just the game just gone, held his spot, didn't offer a huge amount. Mm. I think his spot is potentially in danger, which yeah. frustrates me because I brought him in. I did. Well, I brought him in as well, but, you know, he, he was that very cheap download um, downgrade option. Yeah. Um, and the last game, because obviously we don't have enough info yet uh, at halftime for the Richmond-Gold Coast game, was West Coast versus Hawthorne. Um, Kelly, Tim Kelly was the third lowest scorer in this game for West Coast. Really? The only two players he outscored were Nick Reed on debut and Jack Redden, who went down with an injury from half time or basically half time. Was he tagged? Uh, no, not from from what I could see. He just um, didn't he just care. Did not do well. He got forty nine. So hmm. yeah, he had no tackles. Uh, sorry, he had two ta- uh, two tackles but no marks and eight kicks, seven handballs, and gave away two free kicks. So we, we've said before that Tim Kelly can be a little bit up and down. Hmm. I thought he would be more safe than this coming into the West Coast midfield. But I reckon he's going to have a massive bounce back game this week. I would would hope <coughs> so against GWS, who don't yeah. really look after anyone. Um, and uh, <coughs> the only other ones were Gaff. It's, it's pretty much Gaff time. Gaff is still cheap. Gaff is still affordable, and he's starting to get into some better scores. Any concern that they've got one more game in Perth before heading Gaff actually, over east? Gaff actually scored reasonably well um, when they were uh, over east. It's just he had one poor game before they came back, and then he had a couple of average games in his first two back in Perth. So, mm-hmm. um, honestly, he was pretty good for the first, you know, two or three games of the uh, the hub experience. Um, so okay. nothing too much there. And then just quickly on Hawthorne, Will Day it just looks an absolute <laughs> gun and an yeah. absolute fantasy find for keeper coaches out there. And Tom Mitchell is starting to put together some form which closely resembles what he was yeah, doing a few years ago. It, it's looked like he's uh, getting that confidence back in his body. And that, that's great. A, that is a big thing as well. <laughs> so the fact that he can actually start to get that little bit of extra confidence, as you say, moving forward and... He's starting to tackle more and mark a little bit more as well. So he's starting yeah. to put himself in a contested yeah, situation. That whole whole game um, performance. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's the little round wrap that we wanted to do. So very just, nicely done. We got through this nice and quickly this week because we are keen to dive into our top twenty one under twenty one players for AFL fantasy. Now this looks at it from quite a few different options, but. Obviously, the main one we're going to be coming at is from Keeper League coaches. Yep. So, draft leagues generally, except for the guys on the very top end of this, maybe sort of uh, from uh, closer to 10 to 1, they're going to be the only ones you might be in consideration of. Mm-hmm. Um, and even from a salary cap point of view, you're probably only looking at, at best, you know, the top three or oh, four. For, for me, this is a, a non-event for salary cap mm. because they're either... Yeah, it, it's yeah. salary cap. It just does, age doesn't matter. No, essentially, um, if they're playing the role, they'll yeah. they'll get. No. The score. This is this is for the keeper coaches out there. Exactly. This, this is how we rate these um, young guns of the future. Yeah. Hopefully, and uh, and hopefully this will help you in some trades that you're looking at doing. Maybe this will help you uh, just purely for ranking for uh, for heading into the off season. Yeah. And it also might just make you feel of... good about your team. Exactly. Or bad. Yeah. Depending on how, how, how many of these guys you've got. Or as keeper coaches, everyone loves a good bit of rosterbation every now and then. It's <laughs> Absolutely. So so do you want to run through how we did this? Yeah. So basically, we came up with our own list separately, you and I. Mm-hmm. And then we've come, sit down before the podcast. We've combined them together. We've given those players at certain points different values. 
We've averaged them out, and we've got a, a combined list here ready to read out to you now. Yep. There were some significant differences in the way we approached it. Yes, I think there were probably about five players that I had that you didn't have at all, and vice versa. There were also five players that, amazingly, we had in exactly the same spots. I don't know how that happens, but you definitely went with the mantra on your side of uh, you like to see some runs on the board, so you yep. want to see some some actual AFL experience, yep. seeing what they're like playing out there, yep. um, and that sort of adjust skewed yep. your ranking. They, they had to be a truly phenomenal first-year player to make it onto my list. So yep. I did err on the side of guys who have got a bit longer in the system, who have got a, a few more runs under the belt, um, a bit more of a sample size to see what they can do. Having said that, a lot of the guys that you included that I didn't, in 12 months' time, I could quite easily see them taking the places of my bottom tier type players and that's where I've really taken a bit of a run with it with the uh, uh, just the fact that some of these prospects have got that innate ability yeah. uh, perhaps they've got a role which I can see <coughs> opening up so it's really about the, um, the just the prospect of these guys for me looking to the future which is what a lot of fantasy uh, keeper coaches have to do so obviously yeah. it depends what side of the ledger you're on yeah. if you're pushing for finals or if you're rebuilding yeah. So where we got to players that we were in disagreement over, we probably erred on Christian's side of the argument because ultimately this list is about helping keeper league coaches. So if it gets down to the, your 18th ranked player on our list, we went, well, at that point, you may as well take the, the speculative guy on, with upside rather than someone who probably in 12 months wouldn't even be on the list anymore. Correct. Exactly. So, um, And we've taken into account their current position, expected position moving forward, um, how long they've been in the system, averages, um, the eye test. I think for both of us, the eye test is pretty a pretty major component. Absolutely. So just what we think they're going to look like moving forward. Um, but having said that, there is always that danger of going too early on the young guys that fall away. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, pro- possibly one thing that always skews me towards the... Uh, um, that uh, <coughs> perspective and the ability that these guys have, which they haven't been able to quite put on the park yet, but will come with maturity, is the fact that uh, for our draft podcast that we do every year, I do watch a lot of underage sort of footage um, and, and keep an eye on the underage sort of uh, score lines and stats. So, yeah. so that does play <coughs> into it a little bit from my end. But without right. further ado, let's get into it. We should jump in. <coughs> Shall we name a few of our honourable mentions before we get to the top? Absolutely. Um, now, I just got to make sure I'm not saying anyone who's actually on the list now because we did some last minute adjustments. But <laughs> I think we've got three honourable mentions. Correct. Uh, Xavier Dersma, Jai Caldwell, and. Trent Rivers. Correct. Yeah. So uh, I, I believe that I had Trent Rivers on my list and you had just left him off yours. And you had both Caldwell and Dersma on yep. yours. And at the bottom end of my list, um, probably going with that, they've been in the system for that little bit longer. So mm-hmm. you've seen a little bit more of them. Um, but the fact for me, both of them are going to be probably midfielders moving forward. There's better midfielders on this list. Um, and so we included some other positional players. Correct. So Xavier Dersma, the reason I've left him off is... It almost looks like... So, he was the perfect salary cap player last year because he came in, he was cheaper than most of the top-end draftees. He played almost every game when he could, and he scored very solidly when he was in. However... Averaged uh, 78 of 20 games last year. However, it's for me, the way that Dersma plays and the way that Port are playing at the moment... I can't see him being a consistent top-end pure midfielder because that's what he's going to be. And that's the issue, I think. The fact that he's not going to get forward status at any point in his career. He's not going to get back status. He's going to be a winger his whole career. Pure wingman. And he averaged 78 last year. I can't see his upside being too much more than that. Mid-80s, maybe? Yeah. 
So, which makes him a low-end draft guy at best in the midfield. Yep. I, I, I could see him getting a high 80s, maybe very low 90s. Yep. Which would He'll push, have a couple of good years. Yes, but it, it's not someone that I would be rating too highly in this list. Yep. Uh, the next one for me, Trent Rivers. I really rate this kid. I think he's going to be great, yep. but it's just a uh, matter of how the demons are playing him at the moment. It's sample size for me. I, I love him as a player. I think he's going to be probably Hibbard's replacement long-term or medium-term, and long-term could play midfield. But he's played five games. It's not enough sample size for yeah. me to stick him on this list. Yeah, happy with that. Um, and the uh, the next one was Jai Caldwell. Mm. Um, look, there's there's a, we, we'll have this argument a little bit later with some of the guys on this list, but I'm going to come in on your side uh, and say that, look, he's playing for the Giants and there's just no room for growth at the moment for midfielders of this age bracket coming through. They've got too many young midfielders already dominating those midfield positions. Like, you're not going to push uh, Canelio, uh, Kelly, um, Whitfield, Whitfield uh, bloody Jacob Hopper, um, these sorts Taranto. of guys. Taranto, thank you. Um, they've just got so many of that sort mm-hmm. of young 23 <clears throat> to 26 age bracket. I mean, Taranto's even younger. Yeah. And Caldwell, uh, some of these other guys are just going to struggle to push them out. So unless they change teams, yeah. I can't see a ton yeah. of upside. I, I really like what I've seen from Caldwell, but yeah, I agree with all of that 100%. Yeah. So, that's our honorable <coughs> mentions. You're dying? You all right? I'm good. <laughs> push on. We're going to get into our top 21 under 21. So, number 21. Uh, now, this was a little bit of a fight for me to get in, uh, but I think you definitely came around to the, um, uh, you know, the... The prospect idea, so the um, the upside, and that's Luke Jackson. Yeah, from ben. from Melbourne, uh, tall young ruckman, only averaging thirty eight point two this year, which before COVID would have been about forty seven. Actually, I think moving forward, rather than give the two averages, we'll just give the pre COVID average. That's probably a better idea. Yeah. So because, this is what they would be averaging if they were playing four yeah, quarters. Because we've got to look forward to the future. So averaging four quarters, <laughs> they would have been averaging forty seven point seven this year. Yeah. Um, look. I just think that in every keeper coach sort of scenario, you've generally you've got a top end ruckman in your team. So whether you've got a Gorn, a Grundy, a Wit, someone like that, you've got them sitting there and playing almost every game. You might have a middling ruckman as well to come in as either your second ruckman if you play two, or as that backup in case your ruck gets injured. There's very few set and forget, lock and load, stashable ruckmen that you know will be getting good game time in three, four years. Who'll be the prime (laughs) ruckman for their team? Um, Because, like your Bailey Williams for uh, from West Coast, for example, God knows if he's going to be the main ruckman for them in in four or five years' time when Nick Nat and uh, everyone else (laughs) is gone. Absolutely, but. Luke Jackson is going to be. Once Gorn is done, he's the number one Rockman there. Yeah, agreed. And, and I, I think when it's that obvious that they're going to be the man in... It's probably four or five years you're stashing and holding him for. But when it's that obvious that they're going to be the the number one ruck at that point and you expect him to be really good, you have to get him early and just stash and hold them. You've done it with um, Tim English in our Absolutely. home league for... You got him the year he was drafted, and you've just stashed him and held him, and it's finally, yes. finally starting to it's, come it's good for you. It's taken a while, but you have to. It's just something that you have to do in keeper leagues. Yeah. So the reason he's on the list is probably that, you know what, at number 21 on the list, just go with the speculative upside guy that we think is... There's no guarantee that he'll be the man, but we're pretty sure he will be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving on to number 20, uh, we've got Lockie <laughs> Ash. 
from GWS. So he's averaged pre-COVID 49.1 from nine games, which is a stellar, pretty stellar debut sort of season. Not not scoring-wise from averages, but the fact that he's played nine games in a debut year for GWS is a really good Mm. sign. Um, the, The reasons why I like this kid and the reason why I pushed him up was they rate this kid really highly at GWS. They took him early. Yeah. It's not He's not a pure midfielder like a lot of their other early picks. And the fact that Heath Shaw is retiring yes. soon, yes. he's just going to move straight into that role and Heath isn't going to be taking <laughs> away any points from this kid once that happens. Yeah. He, he's the next generation rebounder for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, and love course. what he does with the ball. They rate him. Good job security. He's looked composed and like he belongs since he debuted. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, not the, it's the lack of sample size that keeps him down this far in the the ranking. I think fast forward twelve months and he will be mid table on on this ranking very easily be because the th- the thing I love is he's going to be a defender his whole career. He's not going to be that guy who moves onto a wing and plays a pure wing role. He's going to be a defender, and you yep. need those set and forget defensive types. Um, could be even higher as well if Zach Williams end up leaving GWS. Heath Shaw retires at some stage. He's going to be the prime mover out of the back line in 12 to 24 months. Absolutely. Um, okay, so next up, we've got number 19. This is another GWS boy and someone that I rated really highly on my <laughs> preseason draft uh, list. Yes. And that was Tom Green. So Yes. Mm, so he's... Averaged uh, pre-COVID 52.8 from four games this year. Now, we had the discussion before the podcast where we were going through and ranking <coughs> these guys. Yeah. He um, was not on my list at all. He wasn't at all. In fact, none of those three guys we've just spoken about were no. on my list at all. No. So maybe maybe it's a good idea to quickly touch on um, Jai Caldwell and Tom Green. So yep. you rated Jai Caldwell ahead of Tom Green. Is that just because of the fact that he's played a couple more years? Yep. He's got that more mature body and he's more likely to play some games quicker? Uh, basically, yes. Yep. Um, so it, it's there. And having said that, Caldwell hasn't played a huge amount of games, but he's got at least another year in the system to build his body um, and build his tank. I think Tom Green is a better fantasy prospect long term, but... Geez, it might be it's a long time before he yeah. gets enough games to really be worthwhile It's the playing. team, yeah. It, and it, it's a tough one because I rate this kid so highly for ability and fantasy ability mm-hmm. particularly. He's just a inside bull. He knows how to rack it up. But like we said before, they're just, you know, um, they're spoiled for choice in their midfield, uh, GWS. So, Absolutely. So, yeah, really rate him, but couldn't make it onto my list because I just don't see a path to fantasy scoring for him in the foreseeable future. Yeah, agreed. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with Tom Green, but his innate ability and the promise of that fantasy, you know, just scoring potential could see him move up the board if a role opens up, whether it's through injury or through trade or what have you. Could could be a long-term hold, though. Yeah. Okay, so number 18 from Brisbane, former number one draft pick. We've got... Cam Rayner in there. Yeah, another potentially contentious guy here. I had him on my list. Yeah. You didn't at all. Not at all. We managed to scrape him in there. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the fact that he's a perma forward. See that you do love that, and I love that as well. So that's one thing I rate. Perma forward. He's gonna have bad games where he doesn't score a lot, but as he builds his tank and I don't know, learns his how to play his game better. I can definitely see him having games where he just 
destroys the opposition, kicks a bag, takes a bunch of marks. I don't know. Is it... Jeez. Big call. Poor man's Toby Green? Ooh, interesting. Very so, poor man's. Yeah, very, well, yes. he's He's got the ability... I, but... I could see him doing that kind of role. Yeah. No guarantee he will, which is why he's so low on this list. Mm. But, I mean, perma-forwards with upside, they don't come around that often. They don't. That's true. Um, and, you know... The, the thing for me about Cam Rayner is he shows so many flashes, but I've never really seen him have too many games where he just looks to have that gluttony when he is played in the midfield for those short bursts. Mm. Um, and he wants to do the flashy stuff. He doesn't want to get around for cheap, quick kick marks, open up into space. And, um, you know, he wants yeah. to burst through a pack with a quick handball or something so like that. So for me, who are the two players that he's always been compared to? Uh, Dusty Martin. Dusty Martin. Yeah. Petrarca. Correct, yes. And they, you're right, they both did take Petrarca a while. Petrarca in particular on. took a while, but look yes. at what he's doing this year. Mm. Absolutely dominating. I know I know full well I held Petrarca for <coughs> two and a half years in a, uh, in a keeper league, in our keeper league, and yeah. finally he's coming good. Yeah. So again, there's no guarantee that he's going to follow that same trajectory, or even remotely close to that same trajectory. But this far down in our rankings, I'm going with the upside... And he's had a few years in the system to build. Yep. So you're not getting someone from scratch. No, true. So he's averaging 66.5 pre-COVID this year from his 10 games. So he is averaging, well, solidly. But again, the fact that he is that little bit older and he hasn't taken too many steps towards some more fantasy-friendly scores mm. is just worrying me slightly. That's why I left him off this list. Yeah, but no, I can I definitely get, see that argument. I get the arguments as well. I get the... It, it does make sense. But... Yeah, it's, it's, there's just something from a fantasy point of view that I don't like about Cam Rayner. Um, right. enough. Number 17, from Geelong. Now, I really rate this kid, uh, and that's Jordan Clark. Another guy I didn't have on my list. No, you didn't have him on your list. and I. This might be one of the few times Ooh. where I think recency bias is played into my decision. Mm. Because he was really good last year, and I really rated him last good. year. Only two games this, this year, though. Through injury. True. Unfortunate, unfortunate injuries, yes. True. But I just, I don't, I'm not sure what his role is going to be in Geelong's team moving forward. And I'm worried he'll be a poor man, a poor winger, mm-hmm. a poor scoring winger. Um, and if that's the case, there's untapped potential there. And I just, I, if he gets that role, he's going to be a centre only who's not going to be scoring well. I'm just not interested. For me, I don't think that Geelong would play him as a wing role permanently, maybe while he develops just for another year or so, because he they took him too high. He was their number one pick last year, or two years ago, I should say, with pick... Uh, it was either 11 or 14 off the top yeah, of my head. something like that. Um, oh, actually, I've got it written down. And his number one 15. position... There you go. Well, his number one position, the best position he plays, is as a halfback distributing the ball out, intercepting the ball. Now, I know they've got Tom Stewart, Zach Tui, Mark O'Connor down there, but Jordan Clark, when he starts to reach maturity, is better than Mark O'Connor, no question whatsoever. Zach Tui won't be there anymore. I would suggest that he goes around maybe one more year. Mm -hmm. And Tom Stewart, it was a mid 
sort of aged player. He'll be closer to 27, 28. So he'll be the, the stalwart back there. But Jordan Clark will be that number two guy, that other guy who's getting those plus sixes in defense and taking those intercept marks. He's too good to leave languishing on a wing when they've got so many midfielders already. And some decent young midfielders like your Parfitts. Menegol is not young anymore, but he's playing a good wing role at the moment. Duncan's been killing it on a wing. Look, I, I hope that the argument you're putting forward is what actually happens, but I just have concerns... Because I just feel like the Geelong list strategy and team building mm. is just very confusing. Like, there's a lot of players there who could retire in a year or two. There's a lot of players coming through that are kind of at the same point where they're fighting for roles. And I'm just not sure who, when the dust settles who's going to be where. Yeah. And no. that, that's why I left him off this list. Because no, I get that. I haven't, he's only played two games this year, so we haven't seen anything this year to indicate what their long-term plans are for him. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate, fair enough. Um, <coughs> all right, so uh, we've got number 16 next, Gold Coast. Number two draft pick last year, Noah Anderson. So I really like the look of this kid, really like the way he plays. So averaging 69.3 in his first year in the system. Uh, those pre-COVID scores, of course. Yep. But how good is that from a first-year player? pretty impressive. Um, there was a he possibly could have been a little bit higher on this list for me. I believe I had him uh, actually ranked. Uh, well, you had him thirteen. I had I him did. twenty-one on that basis of first-year player, only yeah. played a few games, so he slid behind other guys. The who, runs on the board. You like yeah. the runs on yeah. the board. Having said that, twelve months time, he. I just looking at my initial list, I could see him easily ahead of a seven or eight people on my list. He's he's just got. The the one thing that worried me was his ability to rack up some of the ball when he because uh, he's sort of obviously Never been an the, the comparisons were always to Nat Five because he's that big tall rangy guy who can do the mercurial stuff up forward but he can also go into the midfield and get a fair bit of it. Um, was he going to play a lot of midfield time, or was the, or were they going to put him forward as an X factor? Well, they played him right through the midfield all year. Yeah, we were expecting him to play that horrible half forward role where he'll go well in some games and won't touch it in other games. But that's not how they played yep. him. They played him as a midfielder. It's been awesome to watch. <coughs> um, what happens when uh, Matty Rao comes back? Does he move slightly? more into the forward line because they're sort of uh, given how things were before Rao got injured I'd be more concerned about Hugh Greenwood, Greenwood's role that's a good point 100% so no, Noah Anderson I reckon he's just going to be an absolute gun going forward if you manage to snap him up in a keeper league in last year's draft mm-hmm. or this year's draft I should say yeah. you would just be having uh, he potentially would have slid because there was a lot of uncertainty about his fantasy game and well, accumulation and what, he, what role he would actually play I know he slid a bit in ours yeah um, so Noah Anderson, absolute gun going forward, really rate him. So number sixteen for us, sorry, number fifteen for us. The next one moving down is another GWS midfielder, Jackson Hately. Uh, once again, another guy I did not have on my initial list. I had my guy. I had Jackson Hately a little bit higher. So where did I have Hately? You I had him at eleven. Hately at eleven. Now you know how much I rate Hately. The reason why. <laughs> I <definitely> I, <laughs> The reason why I've got him a bit higher, I think he's gone at the end of the year. He hasn't yeah. signed a new contract. Um, I can't see what would be making him want to stay on because GWS have been bas- have not been great this year. There's a solid chance they don't make the finals. 
he's been moving around a lot, so he hasn't got that connection to Sydney, I wouldn't think, like mm. from, from obviously last year and this year. Last year was really the only one year in Sydney. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and look... Adelaide aren't looking great at the moment, but they need some midfielders. He's a taller midfielder at 190, mm. 192, who can step straight in and play every single game for them and play in the midfield, not like a weird sort of half-forward, mm. little half-back every now and then, sometime on the wing. I, I both love it because he's the, he's a South Australian. I'm sure Adelaide would love to bring him in. I don't think he's necessarily what they need, though. He's another slow one-paced mid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know he's necessarily what they need, but I can definitely see them going after him because he's young and he, he brings something... He brings a fresh face for the team. It, it is a fresh face. It's a, a higher draft pick. It's another South Australian <laughs> kid, which obviously all of their fans will like, um, or most of their fans would like, I should say, the ones that are based in South Australia. And look, I just think that they really liked him at underage level. I mean, there's a chance Port could make a play for him as well, realistically. Um, there's, I mean, realistically, a lot of teams out there would really want this kid. I think I actually like it for Port better because Rocky and Boak are in the twilight of their Ooh, careers. That's a and good he could call. step straight in for one of them. That is a really good call, actually. And that would still be a very fantasy-friendly role. So for me, I think he's leaving at the end of the year. And if that's the case, he's he's just got such a good fantasy ability. Yep. So, I mean, we uh, saw that last year in some big games. Yeah. And even this year, in only five games, he's averaging pre-COVID 70. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I, I love him as a player. I think there's a very good chance that he goes, but I don't think it's guaranteed, and that's why he's not on my wasn't on my initial list. Yep. Um, okay, so <coughs> number fourteen for us uh, in the top twenty one under twenty one, we've got Will Day. Now, yes, this is a bit of big recency bias for me, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Now. And interestingly, this is I think the first guy who we both had ranked at. 15 overall. <laughs> so we both had him ranked dead on pretty much. Um, now, Will Day, for me, you know that I pushed him up my rankings uh, heading into the draft last year yeah. because I knew that he would. He had that ability to rack up some of the ball in the back line, get those plus mm-hmm. sixes. He he did remind me a lot of just that Grant Birch, early Grant Birchall sort of player. Yeah. Um, and he showed that this weekend. So he did everything against West Coast. He looked so good. He was getting those marks out of defense. He was, you know, spoiling. He was tackling. He was smothering. He was doing everything he could have. And look, there's obviously the very unfortunate fact that uh, James Sicily has had a horrible ACL injury. And that yep. just absolutely sucks. Because whatever you say about Sicily from a fantasy point of view, he's great to watch. He's entertaining. And yeah. he does have an amazing fantasy. Uh, and his teammates would love him. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just a really sad time. And obviously the fact that he's done it uh, towards the end of the season in a COVID-affected year, it w- he'll miss all of next year. Yeah. So... Um, but what that does open up the opportunity for is Will Day should now play every game that he is fit for because he will come in and play that, mm-hmm. maybe not so much intercepting while his body is still young, but that the um, rebounder, that, rebounder, that uh, you know, developing general in defense, uh, the distributor, and I just love the role that he has the ability to work into. He's now averaging 72.5, uh, 72.8, sorry, COVID adjusted this year. So I know I've been banging on about sample size, mm-hmm. but for me, Permaback averaging, what, was, what did you say, 70? 72.5 COVID adjusted. Of five games. Six games, actually. So that uh, my stats have updated off. Oh, okay, cool. Last of weekend. six games. And 
Look, he, he, like you said, he just looks the part. He did the role against West Coast. There's just there's just that much upside on this guy that he's got to be high on the list regardless of yeah. how young he is. Yeah, no, I absolutely love the look of him. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the next guy. Just which... before we do, yep. I think at this point I've probably drawn a bit of a tear here. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone we've talked about so far, you can kind of mix and match them a little bit in, in that tier. Potentially... Day, you could make the argument he's in the tier above we're about to go into. But I, I see that as a bit of a tier cutoff here. Yep. You, would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. Perhaps with the exception, I might add this next guy into the same tier, the back-end tier. Um, and we'll, we'll talk yeah, about true. that Yeah, true. I now. agree with that. So, uh, pick Thor, rank 13, <laughs> we've got uh, Rowbottom from yep. Sydney. So, the young midfielder who's had a couple of years in the system now. So, he's that yep. little bit older, more mature, playing into that... A more key midfield role. So he's had some uh, some lower scores earlier in the season, and now he's starting to get into a little bit bigger. He's averaging seventy two point seven. Um, so yeah, what what I do like about James Rowbottom is the fact that he looks like he's got a role in the Swans' engine room for years to come. Yeah, they you know like you him. know what I like. Every time I watch him, I go, "Wow, this kid can play." Mm-hmm. He just looks the part. He. Pl- yeah, I, I just can't speak highly enough of I enjoy watching him play football. Yep. For me, the downside is he's going to be a perma midfielder, perma centre moving forward. He's not going to get that DPP again, I wouldn't think. No, he's not getting forward or defence status. And as good as he's playing now, it will probably take another couple of years before he really sort of peaks as a fantasy player in that midfield role. So as much as I love him... Um, it's going to be a little bit of a hold. Yep. So he's more for a rebuilding team, I think. No, I agree. Um, and on that basis, I probably agree. You could probably shift him down into that tier that we just finished up. And, and it's just whether or not... So he's he's taken a good, solid step this year to averaging quite well. Can I, I'm just not 100% sold yet that the he upside. can take that move into the averaging 95 to close to 100. I don't think he's going to be that 110 like uber premium player. Yeah. Ever, but I, I mean, do, he could take the step into yeah, being close to 100. I agree. I don't think he's going to be the, the uber primo, but this is his second year, and he's. I mean, you you take out. You've got Parker, Florent. He's probably the number three guy in there at the moment yeah, with um, Josh Kennedy out. Mm-hmm. And he's holding his own. He's doing well. He's doing very, very well. Um, okay, we'll move on to number 12. And this. Oh, this was a really contentious one for me pre podcast because. Oh, yeah. You ha- so, where, where did you have this guy ranked? 13. 13. I had this guy ranked at 5. And he slid all the way down. It might have been 6, actually. Where, where you had him at 5. And he slid all the way down to 12 for us. That's Caleb Sarong from Fremantle. Sample size. Oh, mate. Oh. Seven games. Can I just say, before we move on to this in a little bit, Fremantle feature heavily in the next few teams. <laughs> they really do. Players, and they've got a great-looking team heading into the future. Not just from fantasy, but... Oh, they did well out of those drafts. Yeah, I'm, I'm really quite pumped. Um, um, so, Caleb's so wrong. Yeah, I think, fast forward 12 months, and I agree. I'd probably have him about number five. But right now, as good as he's been, he's played seven games. I'm looking to the future, son. And, and he is an absolute gun. He is everything that Fremantle possibly could have wanted out of a draftee. He is tough, he's inside, he's got decent skills by hand, he's got good foot skills, he can play up forward if he needs to, he can kick a goal he is, he just is he, going to be a player for the future. He reminds me a lot of Lockie Neal. He really does, he is a Lockie Neal 2.0 and maybe with, 
I mean, obviously, he might not ever get to Lockie Neal's inside status. capability, but um, <coughs> he might have a little bit more of a knack for the forward play than Lockie Neal does as well. And yeah. look, I, I reckon he's averaging 74.7 pre-COVID from eight games this year. I didn't think he was going to get to that sort of score. I thought a pre-COVID sort of average of around about 60 might be what we could expect from him this year. That's massive. Uh, it's huge, and I, I love him. And like I said, in 12 months' time, I would fully expect him to be probably four or five on this list for me. But right now, he's only played that seven or eight games. Mm-hmm. I've got him ahead of the similar guys in their career that I've got at around this point in the in my list. But, oh, yeah. Fair call, fair call. Sample size. Um, all right, so Hayden Young is number 11 for us. and that's, So it's another Fremantle player. Yep. We've got a pure defender. Now, the... The tough argument here is why did we rank him so highly when he's only averaging 52 COVID-adjusted, he's played five games, one of them was injured, and he's got a long-term injury from it. It's because of the role. We love those pure defenders, and it's also his underage stats. Pretty much everything we said about Will Day applies to Young as well. But times two for me with Hayden Young, because... Hayden Young was so good at an underage level. He was so far head and shoulders above the pack as that rebounding defender. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I thought he was the second or third best player in the draft crop. The fact that he Agreed. fell down to Fremantle is was mystifying. I have no <laughs> idea how it happened. And once again, Fremantle have just blitzed the draft because of it. Yeah. Um, and look, it's I'm just absolutely amazed that some of the players that you guys got and the fact that Hayden Young, for fantasy coaches going forward, he's just going to be that set-and-forget top-line defender. Yeah, agreed. 100%. So, what sort of player, like, what sort of fantasy player <laughs> might you liken him to? Like, uh, like oh, going geez. forward, it's it's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Maybe like I, I a- don't know, but I think once he really hits his straps, I'd be thinking a 80-point um, averaging defender... For a good three, four years. Yeah, and then maybe higher than that, even like he'll he'll have and... a he'll have a good year or two where he'll he'll push it above that. But, but I think that'll be kind of the. I can see him being almost like a um, uh, maybe a, a Cade Simpson sort of back when he was the like breaking into the top line defenders mm. um, and and looking at being a real top line defender. Um, but he could even for, become someone like a. Uh, almost like a Rory Laird style player as well, um, just racking mm. up a lot of plus sixes in the back line. Maybe not. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't see him. I don't. I don't see that. But I can definitely see plus sixes and a lot of a lot of Frio players trying to get the ball into his mm, hands to that's, rebound. That's what I and mean. I think if Frio managed to keep a nucleus of young. Um, is it Wilson? Young, young, Wilson, yeah, Wilson, Wilson and Ryan. Yep. Yeah. Those are three really dangerous rebounding players that have to be paid attention to, which could allow him to really get off the leash a bit. Agreed. Okay, so we'll move on to the next player. Another defender, but well, DPP to the max here, a defender forward this year. Jack Lacocious from Gold Coast. Um, yes. Now, he is averaging 75.5 pre-COVID as a defender. He's running along absolutely beautifully this year. Um, look, I, I like the way that this kid plays. I think he's going to be very good from a fantasy point of view. Did not expect the f- defensive role, to be honest. 
always thought of him as a forward. Yeah, I really liked what I saw towards the tail end of last year with him mm. playing that defensive role because he's a good user, he's rangy, he moves well. You could see that Gold Coast liked to get the ball to him so they could use him on the um, the outlet. And this year he's taken it to another level. And I think that he'll probably stay back there for a little bit, I think, because he's a really good option for them coming out of defence. Yeah, and look, he's he's had those couple of years. <coughs> he's played a few games now. So this year he's played all 11 that he could. Um, and look, they're, they're, just, they're looking to slot him into that role permanently. I, I think moving forward, it's absolutely fantastic for fantasy coaches. It's someone yep. that you can leave as your D4, D5 for the next two years, and he might even slot into more of a D2, D3 role. I think in, in 12 to 24 months, he'll be a D3, probably potentially D2 as well. Yeah. And I think that that's probably, again, coming back to my tiers, he's probably maybe the, t- the tier we were just talking about of young guys with heaps and heaps of upside potentially the tier that we're about to enter now. Yeah. He's so, the real sort of gateway there. Number nine, heading into single figures <laughs> here. And uh, look, this is probably the most recency-biased uh, adjusted oh, yeah. player in our list. If and we did this... A month ago? A month ago? Even three weeks ago. He's probably not even on the list. No, probably he's he's probably sitting towards that 22, 23, maybe honorable an honourable mention. mention. But... I, I, I've always loved the way this guy goes about it, and it was just about the role, yeah, and agreed. he's got the role now. Zach Bailey yeah. from Brisbane. I mean, honestly, how good has he been the past few weeks? From his 12 games now, he's averaging pre-COVID 80.5. And you think about his first half of the year was really nothing to write home about. No, it was not spectacular at all. And... It's just the way he's going about that high half-forward role. When I say high half-forward, I mean high half-forward. Practically a wing role. He is playing right up the ground, regularly getting midfield minutes, getting a decent amount of centre-bounce attendances. And when he is in the forward line, he's being used regularly by his teammates. So for me, the reason that I put him in the list, because I looked at him and I went, I love what he's doing, I love him as a player... Is it too much recency bias? And then I went, you know what? Mitch Robinson's on the way out. Mm. He's had a pretty average year. He's probably got a year or two left before he moves on. And Zach Bailey is doing an amazing job of putting his hand up to say, when Mitch goes out, I'm your next winger. Yeah. yeah. And this is what I will do on the wing. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he's an absolute gun. And it's uh, hopefully that role continues because if it does, it's going to pay massive dividends for fantasy keeper coaches out there. Absolutely. And if it doesn't, in another 12 months' time, he'll be off the list again. <laughs> um, all right, number eight uh, from St. Kilda. Uh, it hurts me to talk about this guy a little bit, but Nick Caulfield. Um, look, as I mentioned in the round wrap-up earlier, he is showing a great deal of more maturity than he was uh, even at the start of the season. Um, they're playing him regularly in the role that he was born to play, which is that half-back, that half-back flanker, yep. um, who doesn't need to pay too much attention. But still, he's actually doing quite well when he is played on someone. He's getting he's the spoil in. Um, but it's the fact that they're using him going out of defense. Yep. Now, you had him ranked very high. I had Caulfield ranked number five. And I had Caulfield ranked number 12. Now, yep. the reason I had Caulfield ranked a little bit lower might be a little bit to do with the fact that I... Tr- <laughs> I sour grapes a bit? I dropped Was it him. sour grapes or lemons? Oh, sour grapes, my You're friend. just a bit sour on it. Oh, it was horrible. I dropped him at the end of last year because he was showing no signs of anything. Well, um, they weren't playing him. No, they weren't playing him. And they had guys like Shane Savage, who I convinced and myself Webster. yeah, would be playing ahead of him this year. When, when you're like, well, Savage and Webster are ahead of him in the plans, there's no point holding him. Exactly. So, drop him. that there he, was. 
He was drafted by a good friend of the podcast, Hinchy, and uh, Hinchy is now reaping the rewards of a fantastic season from Nick Coffield. Now, the reason why I did have him a little bit lower Hinchy's is... really pumped with this list we're doing right now. He's got a lot of guys yeah, I on bet it. He, I bet he is. Um, so, the reason why I had him a little bit lower is Hunter Clark. Now, for me, I'm worried about what Hunter Clark's role is going forward and the competition it'll create with Nick Coffield. My thoughts are that he should be playing more pure midfield time, but the Saints have a ton of midfielders. A ton of midfielders. like Players like Dunstan, who's injured this year, but will be coming back, you would assume. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got Seb Ross, who's barely getting a game, but is a pure midfielder. Hunter Clark, they like him off the halfback line. And if both Clark and Caulfield are in there, I think they're going to compete with each other for points on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I can definitely see that, particularly when you add um, Long and Wilkie, and there's another one as well, Passion, in there yeah. as well. They've got a lot of options off that halfback line. Yeah. Um, I'd like Hunter Clark and Caulfield are easily the best of them. Correct. Um, I agree. I think that Clark will move into the midfield in the not-too-distant future, but I get where you're coming from. There's a few guys he has to push past first. Not concerned about Dunstan being one of them. I would hope not, but it's, <laughs> um, I've seen weirder things happen. For me, the, I just love the role he's playing at the moment. And we talk about the upside that we see for Young and Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caulfield is pretty much the same, but a couple of years ahead of them. Yeah, agreed. He, he just looks great. Um, okay, we'll move on to the next player, which uh, number seven, playing for Port at the moment. He's a forward, but he's not going to be a forward for that much longer. That is Zachary Butters. Um, yes. Who I, I honestly, I knew that he had some ability, but I didn't see this coming. Um, if you ask me at the start of the year what I thought he would be averaging, pre-COVID scores, I thought he might be 60 to 65, yeah, something like that. that's pretty much what I was going to say. He is averaging 78.1. He has taken a massive step this mm. year. They want to get the ball in his hands, but not only that, even though he's got a slight frame, he doesn't care about getting in down, down and dirty. He'll, he'll tackle. He will, he will scrub on the ground. And now, We had a good conversation about him pre-recording, actually, mm-hmm. because I wasn't as high on him as you are, even though I think I... Um, we had him pretty similarly ranked, but you were quite high on his future role. Yes. I was kind of a little bit like, you know, he's going to be just that average type center moving forward. I don't see anything to be particularly excited about here from a fantasy perspective. You had a slightly different take though. Yeah, honestly, so they've got Dersmer on the outside who's going to play as a pure <laughs> wingman and running very much on the outside. But this guy is that perfect hybrid role inside-outside for me, which Port don't have a ton of in their midfield. Obviously, Boak and uh, Rocky, as you said, going forward, they're not going to be there. They've got Powell Pepper and Ollie Wines, who are pure inside Inside. midfielders. And Rosie, who will be going... He's playing not a hybrid inside-outside. He's playing a hybrid forward midfield role. So he will be playing a decent amount of time on the half-forward flank or a high half-forward. Could you say... Not to this, not not the same skill level, obviously, but um, Robbie Gray is probably the closest, like for like in the team currently. I would probably say Robbie Gray is closer to a what Connor Rosie is realistically, um, mm. but for me, Butters is probably closer to a Stephen Canelio style of player. Okay. I could see him being a Stephen Canelio style of player where he goes in and when he's in the midfield he can score big, but he can do very well up forward and he's a good inside outside player. He'll okay. get to, interesting. He'll get to good positions for the uh, open play and Which he'll play on the inside. Actually probably supports my initial argument of him being a little bit vanilla, not too sexy or interesting, but a great set and forget guy 
in your team. Well, all we care about is fantasy scores, and this kid looks like he's got the goods, so that's why we have him ranked at 8th. Um, and speaking, we mentioned Connor Rosie a minute ago. He's our 7th ranked player at the moment. So he is a forward mid... Uh, I think you've skipped... Am I? Yep, so you went from Butters. Oh, the oh, next oh, one no, apologies. is... I'm on the wrong list here. Butters. You're on Sorry. your list. No, I'm on my old list. So Rosie will leave off for a moment and we'll go to number we'll six, to which him. was Chera. Yes. Chera from Fremantle. Um, look, I, I worry watching this guy a little bit because I do have the ongoing bet with a good mate of the podcast, Nick, who is in our Keeper League. Uh, and uh, if he ever averages a pre-COVID or ongoing score of 100... Uh, for the entire year, I have to hand feed him cherries at one of the drafts. Obviously, Adam Chera for cherries. Um, I, it's a slightly bizarre. Um, it's, it's, bet, a weird, but it's a weird fantasy bet, to be honest. I mean, there are some weird fantasy bets. Going although, on having there. said that, I would quite enjoy watching you just waiting on Nick for the entire draft. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of. He's going to be wearing a toga as well. I he's know, hundred percent going to wear a toga. So, look. This kid does look like he's got the goods. It's all about the role for him, where they feel him fitting in. When they've got Fife, Brayshaw, um, Sarong, I think will play a lot of inside mid-time. I, th- I feel like he'll be playing that floating role, um, maybe a little bit off the half-back line. Mm. But moving forward, I think he'll play enough midfield to not get I him think, defensive status. I think there's a real danger this is the last year he'll have DPP. He will be a midfielder next year yep. for me. No, and no I, I can't see him getting it back... Anytime soon. Yeah. So again, which for I, me puts him a little bit down mm. the ranks, but I think that there's a lot to like there. We've seen some really good games this year. For me, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that he can accumulate often enough to be really, really relevant as a pure mid. But there's definitely some good signs this year, and there's been some decent progression over his career so far. I still feel he's going to be closer to a ninety to ninety-five averaging player in the midfield. I don't see him cracking the ton, so yeah. I'm still pretty comfortable with my bet. I'd however, say low nineties. However, yeah, low nineties is what I feel, and that's still a solid midfielder for deep draft leagues. And keeper leagues quite often are quite deep. You very rarely find a you know six to eight person. Keeper league yep. with low team numbers. Agreed. And I think you could almost, like, we're just talking about butters, you could probably swap and change those guys a fair bit, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so number five, and you rate this guy really highly for fantasy. I've got him ranked a little bit lower, but still, he's just an absolute gun, is Connor Rosie. Imagine no, we actually before. both had him at seven. Did we? Yeah. Oh, that's odd. Why has he skipped up to five? I don't know. Yeah, just. Averages. Because, yeah, the other guys that I had above him, you had really low. Oh, I've got you there. There we go, yeah. Math, maths. Um, so, Connor Rosie, look, I what I really like is the fact that, again, it's all about that DPP status. He's going to be a forward his whole career. Yeah, perma-forward, and he's going to have bursts of being a forward mid yeah, as well, which he, will be some nice flexibility, but you'll play him as a forward. He's Robbie Gray 2.0. I honestly see him as a Robbie Gray role model where he's going to be playing... Very regularly in the forward line. He'll get a few runs in the midfield, but when he's at his peak, even playing in the forward line, he's going to score well for you. Yeah, agreed. And he's got, I, I think he can get towards that D2 sort of status. Uh, sorry, not D2. F2 status for you in your uh, forward line as a keeper coach. He's a gun. He's having a down year this year compared to last, where Second he's only averaging 61. Second year blues. It's it, all good. He'll come good. quite a bit. And come good. from what he showed last year, he's actually getting attention this year as well. Yeah, because he was amazing last yeah. year. He averaged 72.6 last year as a first-year player. Yep. So that doesn't happen out of the blue, an entire year average like that. He's going to be an absolute gun. 
Um, yep. All right, so moving on, we get into our top four, and this is really where a bracket uh, a I think tier is drawn. Tier here, yeah. So the this top... fourth guy, I could maybe see falling out of the top no, three. No, no, oh, maybe uh, no, the even top then, three are really good. No, I, I, I had, I will. He's borderline, but he's really good. I had number three at number four on my list, <coughs> and you had the. Uh, I had this guy uh, coming true. up at right. number three, so I yep. really ranked this guy true. number four, Bailey Smith for the Bulldogs. I mean, exemplified by what he did yesterday against Adelaide. Yeah, what a gun. Which, again, not really a team, so we don't talk about it that much. But it's a glimpse of the future, though. He is going to be a gun midfielder going yeah. forward, and a gun fantasy midfielder going forward, averaging 88.3 pre-COVID this year. Amazing. For a second-year player. Stupid good. Yeah. And now, I'll tell you what, you always notice him on the field as you well. You do. He's, that he's, stringing mullet flying <laughs> behind him in the wind. He's got forward status this year. I think he loses it next year. This is year. the last time he has forward However, status. However, there is always, for me, there's a sneaky oh, he chance could get bevoed. purely because he could get bevoed, um, which would suck for the one year you've got him as a midfielder and he's playing up forward, but it's great news for keeper coaches anyway for the following year. True. Because he'll be given forward status and he'll probably play some midfield time. So. True. It's and and they also have a lot of midfield players as well, so there's a chance <laughs> a that he could rotate and play just enough games to get that DPP status. However, even as a midfielder moving forward, he's good enough to be in that top. He ball. is just a natural accumulator, great player, tough, strong, mm-hmm. uses it well. Did I say he accumulates it? Uh, you did say that at he, least five times, and you can't say it enough. So say it a sixth time. He gets a lot of the ball. Damn straight, he does. Oh, and. Yeah, just watching him play as well is a delight. So, And that's one of the things you love being a keeper coach. Having players in your team year after year, season <coughs> after season, that you want to watch play AFL footy every week. And it's it's just, it's honestly, I can't speak highly enough of it as the best form of fantasy, of our fantasy game. Yeah. And I can't encourage you guys as listeners enough to go out and start a keeper league if you don't already have one going. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's number get three. Number three. Um, all right, I'll let you introduce this one because you are... I had him number two. You had him at four. Sammy Walsh. Sammy Walsh. I can't believe after <laughs> what he did last year, you did him the disservice of putting him at four. Mate, I just love Bailey Smith and the next guy we're going to get into. So, Bailey Smith is a better player. Yes. Walsh is, at this stage, a better fantasy player okay. because he's just... He's just an accumulator. He is. And he's not... He's Tom Mitchell-esque in his ability to just win the ball. It's true. And he's not flashy or impact. He's, impactful is probably not a nice word to use, but he's not as impactful as, say, a Connor Rosie on the no. game where they have to pay attention to him. Exactly. He's, he's just a natural footballer who accumulates the ball, gets the job done, gets from contest to contest, and is just going to be an absolute mainstay in fantasy teams for the next decade. Yeah, I, I 100% get that. I, there's just something that may, maybe it's just biased about loving watching Bailey Smith play as compared to Sam Walsh. Maybe that's I reckon it's pushing just me he's on. old news. He was last year. <laughs> maybe. And maybe that could be recency bias. Because even so, he averaged so well last year and he's still averaging 88.3 and I think he's had a down season. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, it's, Agreed. it's amazing. So, 92.2 last year. 92.2. That is just... And he's having second-year blues with an 88 pre-COVID Like, how can you not have him (laughs) higher? Well, there's a reason why. All right, we've talked about Sam Walsh. Love the kid. I want to talk about this next one, who I had ranked initially at number two. I had him at three. You had him at three, uh, below Sam Walsh. Matty Rowell. Yes. Matt Rowell (laughs) is having 
a better debut or had a better debut season prior to his injury, in my opinion, than Sam Walsh. He was number one. He was, yeah, he was agree. in the contest for the Brownlow for the first month. Not, not after one <clears> week, not after two, for the first month. Before he went down with Yeah, the I'm not necessarily sold on that so oh, he much. He was top three for Brownlow, no question. It'll be really interesting to see. He had 34 coaches' votes or something like that. Yeah, actually, that's a pretty he good indicator. He was second in the coaches' that's votes. That's a pretty good indicator. I agree, though. His, the start of his debut year was better than Walsh's, and he was doing it without a, a Paddy Cripps next to him. Mm-hmm. Including an injury-affected... Let me have a look-see. An injury-affected <coughs> zero score... Yeah. He was average... Look, listen to these scores from the first four. And these are not pre-COVID. These are just standard games. 64, 108, 104, 78. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, I can't tout this guy highly enough. I would have had him at number one, if not for the shoulder injury. Now, that's something... Mm. Now, you know that there's two things that I worry about when it comes to young kids, at, or even when it comes to fantasy in general. Number one is tags. I'm, I'm always I'm always keeping my eye out for the tags. We, we honestly need like a segment on the podcast, which is just you bitching about potential tags for the next week. Bitching or advising? There is, I mean, bitching. Realist, I'm going to go with advising still. Um, but the other thing is long-term injuries. And that sort of shoulder injury, that can provide instability in yeah, the joint if he doesn't, years to If come. he doesn't get it sorted properly, it can be a recurring issue. I think the fact that he's as good as he is and in his first year, they will have taken the time to get it sorted properly. I, I don't think... He's obviously not going to play it all this year. They're, yeah. they're just not going to risk him. Um, and that's pretty much an entire year. It's, it's close, 10 to 11 months, really, before the start rehab. of next season. Yeah. Of full rehab, back in the gym. It should be okay. But that's just the only thing. That really is the... Even though the number one guy we've got is amazing, I would have had him at number one if not for the shoulder injury. Um, I probably would have had him at two just because I don't think I could bring myself to put a first-year player at number one on this list. And uh, so that pretty much brings us into the number one guy as well. He's He's probably the most mature of these guys. He's played the most games... Number one is Andy Brayshaw from Fremantle. We said Freo have had a bloody good draft hand with this, and they've yep. got an absolute gun. 11 games this season with a COVID-adjusted 94.7 average. Um, it pisses me off because I had him <laughs> since the start of the season in salary cap. He wasn't played in the right role by uh, Longmire, or Longmuir, I should say, um, which was ridiculous. He's playing in the midfield role now. He's absolutely dominating, and yeah. he looks for, like he should be a gun. Yeah, for me, it's just the fact he's a little bit further advanced on his AFL journey than Walsh and Rao. Again, fast forward 12 months, he will have slipped behind both of those two guys. Um, but at this stage, he's just killing it. If you own him in a keeper league, he's pretty much untouchable for you, you'd mm-hmm. think, because he's going to be the mainstay of your... Um, midfield for the next decade. Well, he's averaging uh, so he's averaging just under that hundred pre-COVID, but realistically, he is being dragged down by those scores from earlier exactly. in the season. So he was averaging he had forty four, seventy two, fifty four, and fifty three in his first month. Yeah, you that take is, those out, he's averaging over a hundred. He is a hundred pre-COVID because um, you know he was <coughs> he's just absolutely dominated since then. So honestly, it, it's just. Absolutely amazing what he's been able to do now that he's played in the right role. 
if you've got him in a keeper league, you're just patting yourself on the back. You're not giving him up for anything. He's going to be one of your best players moving forward. Because, again, he's under 21. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, he's, isn't he's it? Not, when he moves to 23, 24, 25, he is, oh, he is going to be yeah. very good. Yeah. And he's another one of those kind of vanilla-esque guys who's just going to accumulate the ball, get it, use it. Not as impactful as some other guys on the team, so he's not necessarily going to get all the attention. Correct. And that is our list. That's our top 21 <laughs> under 21 years of age. Yep. Players for Keeper League coaches. Well, really, fantasy players that we consider for the future, but that is for Keeper League coaches. Yep. Um, so I'll run through quickly the list again. Yep. Uh, at 21 was Luke Jackson from Melbourne. 20, Lockie Ash from GWS. 19 was Tom Green from GWS. We've got Cam Rayner at 18 from the Lions. Uh, number 17 was Jordan Clark from Geelong. Noah Anderson at 16 uh, from the Suns. We've got Jackson Haitley at 15 for the Giants. Will Day uh, for the Hawks at 14. James Robottom slipping in at number 13 for the Swans. A couple of Frio players up next in Sarong at 12 and Hayden Young at 11. We got Jack Lacocious, the defender from Gold Coast, at ten. Zach Bailey at nine from Brisbane. Nick Caulfield, the much improved defender from St Kilda, at eight. Zach Butters at seven from Port. Another Frio player here in Chera at six. Rosie from Port at five. Uh, Bailey Smith, the man with the mullet, at number four from the Dogs. Uh, Sam Walsh, the young gun from Carlton at three. Matty Rowell, the best first-year player that I've seen prior to the injury at two. And Andy Brayshaw at number one. They're all guns going forward. I think all of them should be owned on reasonable keeper lists out there, uh, as long as you've got a little bit of depth in the side. And Agreed. we hope this helps you moving forward with maybe some trades, just some general rankings, yep. or as we mentioned earlier, everyone loves a good roster bait Absolutely. every now and then. <laughs> and you know what? If you disagree, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So let us know what you thought of those rankings. We can always be reached at Extended Bench AU. If you've got someone that you think is ranked too high, maybe too low, maybe someone that's not even in that list that you want included. And you want to know what we think of them. Absolutely. Let us know. We're always happy to help. And if you've got any more questions leading into round 13, I believe it is this week, don't hesitate to get in touch. But until next Monday, we'll be back with a new podcast then. We hope you have a great weekend of fantasy footy ahead. And we'll see you next week. Catch you.